You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Our Lord Jesus reacted in a perfect and holy way to every temptation, trial, and trauma in life. And they were more severe than any human could ever suffer. Therefore, it should be clear that perfect victory over all life's troubles must be the result of being like Christ. No soul worker can lift another above the level of spiritual maturity he is on. So the supreme qualification for all soul work is Christ's likeness. I say amen to that. What better example do you have for how to live life as a Christian than Christ himself? Jesus was tempted just as you are. He endured more ridicule and rejection than anyone else ever will. And yet, he never altered his message. Jesus consistently spoke truth in love and pointed back to God in all that he did. Even when it came time for him to die, he submitted to his Father's plan. Pastor Danny will tell you in his message today that Jesus is your model for life and your hope for eternity. Turn to Him today. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, with today's edition of The Living Word. We just need to come back as parents, lovingly, lovingly disciplining our children, especially when they're younger. You know, they get to a certain age. My kids are out of the spanking age. Hallelujah. Now just punch them. No, that, was, that was bad. That was a joke. For all you visitors, that was a joke. Okay, test is still going. Let me ask you this. What do you believe about roles of a husband and a wife in a marriage relationship? Well, we believe in equality. Well, so does God as far as being humans. And yet, here's what God says, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And it also says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing. But you see, there are roles. God gives the man the greater authority. Why? Because he has the greater responsibility. Authority and biblical authority is always for two overall purposes, protection and provision. Protection and provision. But you talk about this in the world in some places in the church, and, and they think you're, you're, you know, you're talking about husbands bossing their wives around. But we must understand, while that's not what God is saying, nevertheless, there is different roles. And the buck does stop with the husband according to the Word of God. But he's not having that authority to lord it over his wife and his family. He's to lead them. Protect them. Be the example to them. And yet he has a responsibility. He has authority. That's what the Bible says. Let me ask you this one. What do you believe about alcoholism? You see, there are people, fellow Christians, that we disagree on this one. And I don't know how they can support. I don't know how they can support what they believe. They believe that alcoholism is a disease. And that's what AA teaches you. Now, look. I appreciate the people in our church that are still involved in AA as evangelists, uh, and yet we have, there are some people that 
still buy into the thing that AA teaches that it's a disease. Guy, been in our church for years, came up to me after the service last night, and he was pretty hot. And he said, I love you as a brother, but he said, we did, I disagree with you on the alcoholism thing. And I said, well, give me a scripture. He couldn't give me a scripture. You see, God had the answer for the alcoholic before AA. And if he didn't, how can we say that? You mean God didn't have the answer for the alcoholic before AA? Then the word of God is not sufficient. Let me read you Galatians 5.19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, uh, hatred, discord, jealousy, etc., etc., envy, drunkenness. God has always had the answer for the alcoholic. Now, if you're in AA and it's gotten you sober and, and, and helping keep you sober, I'm not against that. However, however, I believe uh, that if you're a Christian, there ought to come a time when you're less dependent on AA and more dependent on the family of God, and you transition from AA into the family of God, and through relationship in the family of God and relationship with Jesus Christ, you are set free, and then you stay free. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, the thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. You were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God says, listen, you're not an alcoholic anymore. If you've received Christ, you're not an alcoholic. That doesn't mean you may not struggle with it, but your victory, your victory is the same as the homosexual who's committed his life to Christ or her life to Christ. Your victory is the same as the person that was consumed with lust as a heterosexual. It's the same answer. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God, it's the fellowship of believers, and it's being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the more we are, the more free we become. Because, listen, if alcoholism is a disease, here's one of two things you got. One is you have no hope because you, you got the disease and, and we don't have a cure for it. All right? Or if it's a disease, some people say, well, I can't help it. It's a disease. That's a cop-out. That's an excuse. What do you believe? What do you believe about modern psychology and how that fits with the Word of God? I uh, start a class next Sunday morning for our leadership here, and, and eventually, probably in the fall, I'm not totally sure, but we'll offer it to the whole body. Anybody can take it on biblical counseling. And so I've been preparing a little bit for it, and I've been doing some extra reading. And as a uh, one book I've, I went through a second time now, but this one I just got. I, I really appreciate John MacArthur and the staff of uh, some of the staff of uh, Masters College, uh, which uh, was founded by John MacArthur, and it's called uh, Counseling: How to Counsel Biblically. Let me just read you one little section because I think it's absolutely right on. Now I understand there's some people here you're psychologists or you're you're getting your degree in psychology and whatever. Please just 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 hear it out. Christian psychology, as the term is used today, is an oxymoron. The word psychology employed in that expression no longer speaks of studying the soul. Instead, it describes a, diver a diverse menagerie of therapies and theories that are fundamentally humanistic. Presupp presuppositions in most of the doctrine of psychology cannot be successfully integrated with Christian truth. Moreover, the infusion of psychology into the teaching of the church has blurred the line between behavior modification 
and sanctification. The path to wholeness is the path of spiritual sanctification. Would we foolishly turn our backs on the wonderful counselor, the spring of living, living water for the sensual wisdom of earth and the stagnant water of behaviorism? Our Lord Jesus reacted in a perfect and holy way to every temptation, trial, and trauma in life, and they were more severe than any human could ever suffer. Therefore, it should be clear that perfect victory over all life's troubles must be the result of being like Christ. No soul worker can lift another above the level of spiritual maturity he is on. So the supreme qualification for all soul work is Christ-likeness. I say amen to that. Bob Hoekster went home to be with the Lord just a few months ago, and I got to, get, I got to know him doing ministry in Russia. And um, uh, his ministry, especially in regard to biblical counseling, was just tremendous. And one of the books he wrote is How to Counsel God's Way. As he goes through the book, he also mentions cliches that people use, and he deals biblically with answering those cliches. One of them is here. People's problems are rooted deep in their past. Therefore, we must extensively examine each person's past if we're to discover solutions for the present. In psychoanalytical counseling, the person seeking help is directed inward and backward on the assumption that people's lives can be explained by the sum total of their experiences from birth to the present. Such speculation cannot be proven concerning humanity in general. Furthermore, it is certainly not applicable to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The evaluation and explanation of our lives, as well as the resources for needed change, are all found in our relationship to Christ, who He is, what He has done, what He offers to us, what He can do in and through us is where we find our insight and hope and life itself. In many ways, attempting to help Christians by digging into their past is like trying to find life by digging in a graveyard. That's profound. Here he says, the biggest umbrella cliche I know of, but we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. The baby in the cliche represents some assumed and necessary good within the theories of man. The bathwater symbolizes something unhealthy or unhelpful uh, within those theories. The cliche seems to offer a way for Christians to acknowledge that there are harmful elements in psychological speculations, while at the same time inferring that we will lose important counseling resources if we set all of this human wisdom aside. This cliché on the baby in the bathwater reflects popular thinking concerning the role of psychology in so-called Christian counseling. Perhaps we can commend the desire to lose nothing that would be of true spiritual value in ministering to people. However, as with every other umbrella cliché that we will consider, this one does not stand up in the light of God's Word. The book of 2 Timothy finds its author at the end of his time on earth. The Apostle Paul had served the Lord faithfully, traveling countless miles and facing all kinds of situations and persecutions, always presenting the gospel message in truth and love. Paul began many churches and trained many leaders, one of whom this letter was addressed to, Timothy. Paul used his pen to encourage this young leader, but also to remind him that though death may be near, the work of the ministry wasn't over. Paul had more to do, and he planned to continue until he met his Savior face to face. No matter where you are in your life at this moment, God is calling you to continue serving. You have a purpose on this earth, and you can always make a difference. 
Your circumstances may shift and your body may age, but your Savior and His message have never changed. Continue to fight the good fight, as Paul puts it, and finish your life strong in your faith. We're so glad that you joined us today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of 2 Timothy. If you'd like to hear more teachings from the Living Word, visit ccfstpete.church. We'd also love to meet you. So if you're in the area, come be a part of our weekly gatherings at Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. We meet Saturday at 6 p.m. and again on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Join us for a time of fellowship and Bible study, digging into God's Word as a collective group of imperfect believers. Find out more at our website, ccfstpete.church. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word. 